Alrighty, so tonight I want to talk about kind of my take on a, a topic, um, and it's going to be a little unconventional, but that's kind of fun, so <laughs> I want to talk about what a missionary is tonight, um, and kind of what they do, and um, one thing I want to say before we start is don't tune me out because you say, oh, I'm not a missionary, I'm not going overseas anywhere, because what I'm going to share tonight really applies to everybody, and it can be applicable to you because we're going to break some stereotypes, so um, I want to share a little bit. So the question, what is a missionary? I'm sure when you hear that word, you have a picture that pops into your mind. You know, everybody, you hear missionary, everybody has that thought that kind of pops into their mind, right? Someone that's living maybe in Africa and they're, they just sell everything they own and they move overseas and this is kind of what they're doing. So we all have that mental picture of what we think a missionary is, right? So when we talk about, um, and Austin's talked about this before, and Pastor Allen, um, the fivefold ministry gifts. So you got apostle, prophet, evangelist, preacher or pastor, and then teacher. Um, and missionary is not really in the fivefold ministry gifts; doesn't really make the cut there. Um, but our closest biblical representation of what a missionary is would be an apostle, um, and an apostle is. The definition of apostle would be a sent one, a messenger, or an ambassador. Um, So that's kind of our closest biblical idea of what a missionary is, um, stereotypically anyway. But I have a working definition and a dictionary. You can write it down. (laughs) And we're going to be talking about that a little bit tonight and kind of touching on that. So if you're taking notes, please write it down because we're going to go back to it a couple of times. And my working definition of what a missionary is, is two parts. Um, Number one, if you're taking notes, a missionary is someone who hears the word of the Lord. Thank you. Um, a missionary is someone who hears the word of the Lord. I kind of stole my definition, Austin knows, a little bit, um, the topic of my sermon, but hey, that's why it's out there, right? (laughs) And then number two, a missionary is someone who is willing to obey that word, right? So number one, willing, or hears the word of the Lord, willing to obey. And this is something that I think, or I believe, really applies to every believer, right? Um, We're all hearing the words of the Lord, and we're all called to obey that word, right? Now, we were talking apostolic missionaries. There are more specific callings on people's lives, so someone can be called more specifically to a people group, to a place, at a specific time, very apostolic in nature. Um, But we're going to be talking tonight about the general responsibility that believers have um, and what the Lord kind of has called us to do. So we're all part of this mission in the kingdom of God, um, which kind of makes us all missionaries, right? A little bit less intimidating than selling everything you own and moving to Africa, right? (laughs) So I want to share a natural occupation with you guys, um, just to kind of give anybody who's visual a mental picture. I'm a very visual person, so I like to have those um, visual pictures in my mind. So I'm going to give you a natural occupation as an example. So a delivery person, UPS, Amazon, whatever, whatever your mind brings. Um, So say that you hop on Amazon, you're going to order a brand new laptop, 
and you get on Amazon, and you're like, find the one you want, you put it in your cart, and you go to check out, it brings up the information page, and on that page, it has um, where the item that you're purchasing, and where it's coming from, and then it has a time frame, kind of, where it's going to be when it's going to be delivered to your house, so like between January 26th and 30th. And it kind of gives you a review of that. Now, when you go to place that order, when you place the order, are you expecting that package to arrive later than the time it says? No. (laughs) Are you expecting it to be broken when it gets to your house? Definitely not. (laughs) FedEx, (laughs) definitely not, right? And then are you expecting it to be delivered to your neighbor's house where you're going to have to go and find it? No, absolutely not. We have an expectation on Amazon that when we place the order, not only is it going to be delivered to our house, it's going to be delivered in excellent condition, and it's going to be delivered when they say it's going to be delivered, right? And this is kind of how we are with God as these missionaries that um, is our work in definition. We're the delivery people for God, and God has given us a package to deliver, Whatever that package may be, it comes in all kinds of different forms. A word from the Lord, prayer to someone, salvation, any form. God has given us a package to deliver. And each of us have different packages. just depends on your calling in life. Um, But God has an expectation on us to deliver that package. And he has an expectation that we're going to deliver it to the right place at the right time that it needs to be delivered to and to the right person it needs to be delivered to. He has that expectation on us. And this is one of the main reasons that I think we as believers have to be studying the Word of God daily. It's so important because it's not enough for us to just be reading God's Word once and not really, you know, knowing what it says. Or even reading it every day but never gaining revelation knowledge of what the Word is actually saying. You can read the same thing every day and still not understand it if you're not diving in deep. So this is kind of how we strengthen our relationship with the Lord. We can't hear what that package is for us to deliver if we don't know what the Lord's voice sounds like, right? And we kind of have to put a little faith in that ourselves, a little faith action, a little step. God's not going to pull your Bible out, open it in front of you, and read it to you. You got to go get your Bible, you got to open it, you got to read it, and you got to expect the Holy Spirit to bring revelation knowledge to you, right? So we have to be studying the Word of God. That's the first part of a missionary by our definition tonight, a person who hears the word of the Lord. Amen? Now, we sure can't hear the word of the Lord if we don't know what his voice sounds like, and we get a little confused. Is this word my own thoughts? Is this the devil? Is this, you know, that's just where confusion will come in. Um, So we have to know God's voice, and that's why we go to the word, because knowing God's voice and having a relationship with him starts there. So that's super important. Um, But also, while we're on this example of a delivery person, I want to point out one more thing. Um, And that is that a delivery person, when they, so they're bringing their laptop to your house and they show up to your house um, and you see them out the window, do you immediately grab your cookies and you run out and you meet them halfway and you're like, thank you so much for delivering my package. Here's cookies and I just love you. No, that'd be so weird. And and the same for him. He's not expecting you to do that because he doesn't get his paycheck and his gratification from you. He gets it from the person that owns the company that he's working for, right? So if they do on the off chance get a thanks, then that can just be a cherry on top, right? But this is kind of how we also have to be with the Lord. 
when he gives us a package to deliver, we have to deliver it to someone, then we aren't putting an expectation on them that they're going to give us gratification and thanks when we deliver that package. Um, Right place, right time, perfect condition, right? No matter what. And even if the person rejects everything that you have to say, it doesn't matter. If they, everything that you deliver, you deliver the package God gave you exactly how he told you to, you say all the right words at all the right time, and that person still rejects everything, it doesn't matter because you did what God asked you to do, you didn't receive your paycheck from him, you don't receive gratification, or you don't receive gratification in your paycheck from the person, you receive it from God. So it doesn't matter if the person that you're delivering this message to says, oh, I, I, this is the best thing, my life has changed, or if they say, you know, screw you. It doesn't matter <laughs> because you don't get your gratification and your paycheck and your supply. It doesn't come from person. It comes from God, right? And you never know also what a person might need. Um, you never know. You can never tell looking at a person. You might be telling them exactly what they need to hear um, and exactly what God needed you to tell them. Amen? So you got to be led by the Holy Spirit. Um, when God gives you a word, just be led. Um, and don't, it doesn't matter if they seem to accept it or reject it. You're planting seeds. Amen? So, a missionary is someone who hears the word of the Lord and someone who's willing to obey that word, right? So, I want to step into now um, and look at a couple of biblical examples of a missionary. Um, and like I said, going to be a little unconventional. But when I talk about looking to the scripture for an example of a missionary, what would be some names that you think I'm going to look at? Just throw some out. Paul. Paul. <laughs> Somebody else. <laughs> Jonah. These are good guesses. Timothy, good guesses. Um, but like I said, a little unconventional. So turn with me to Exodus chapter 3. I'm going to read off my phone because it's just easier for me to read. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, if you guys want to change that on your devices. So the first example that I want to look at, example of a missionary, is Moses. Wow, not what you thought a missionary would be, right? (laughs) Um, Not really what pops into your head when I say the word missionary, huh? But we're just going to read a little about it and get into it, okay? So Exodus chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 1. It says, One day Moses was tending to the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Shinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't the bush burning up? I have to go see. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied, stop. So, a little backstory, just a little bit. Moses is in the wilderness. He, fled, he left Egypt, um, all of that shebang. He's living his wanderlust life out in the wilderness. <laughs> and um, God's people are suffering. They're enslaved um, in Egypt, and that's just kind of where he's at, and God's like trying to free his people. So he comes to Moses in the burning bush, and he says, Moses. But what I really want you guys to see in verse 4 here, back in verse 4, it says, God called out to Moses, 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 and he said, here I am. By our working definition, we already have half a missionary, 
Moses heard the word of the Lord, right? So we're going, we're getting somewhere now. He's half of a missionary, okay? Um, Let's keep reading. Don't come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering, so I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and led them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey, and land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people out of Egypt. So here we have a clear command in verse 10. The Lord is giving Moses a clear command. He's saying, go, I need you. I need you, Moses, to go and free my people out of slavery. And Moses, you know, we're going to read on a little bit of his response there. But I just want it to be clear that there's a clear command from the Lord, a word from the Lord that Moses needs to respond to. Um, And then this is how he responds. He says in verse 11, But Moses protested to God, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? God answered, I'll be with you, and this is your sign that I'm the one that has sent you. When you brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship me at this very mountain. But Moses protested again, If I go to the people of Israel and tell them that the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, What is his name? Then what should I tell him? And God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say to the people of Israel, I am has sent you. So Moses is protesting here. He's like, No, I don't think they're going to believe me. They're not going to believe that you really commanded me to go here. He's protesting a little bit, kind of arguing a little bit with God. He's He's kind of having this little internal battle. He's like, why? I don't think that this is the right thing to do. Um, So if you flip over one chapter to verse 4. Yeah, one chapter. Chapter 4. And look in verse 1. It says, but Moses protested again. What if they don't believe me or listen to me? What if they say, the Lord never appeared to you? Then the Lord asked him, what's that in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replied. Throw it down on the ground, the Lord told him. So Moses threw the staff down, and it turned into a snake. Moses jumped back. Then the Lord told him, reach out and grab its tail. So Moses reached out and grabbed it and turned back into a shepherd's staff in his hand. Perform this sign, the Lord told him, and then they will believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, really has appeared to you. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses did, and when he took it out again, his hands were white as snow with a severe skin disease. Now put your hands back in your cloak, the Lord said. So Moses put his hands back in his cloak, and when he took them out, it was as clear and healthy as the rest of his body. The Lord said to Moses, If they don't believe you and are not convinced by the first miraculous sign, they will all be convinced by the second. And if they don't believe you or listen to you, even after the last two signs, take some water from the Nile, pour it on the ground, and I'll turn it into blood, basically. So Moses is coming up with excuses. He's like, I can't do this. They're not going to believe me. And God's like, well, if they don't believe this miracle I just did, here's two more. And he's like, oh, no, (laughs) I don't know about this. Verse 10, but Moses pleaded again with the Lord, 
Oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been, and I'm not now. And even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words, they get tangled. Then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. So Moses, he can't understand why God's asking him to do this. He's protesting, and he's coming up with these issues, these problems. He's saying, they won't believe me. He said, tell them I am sent you. He's saying, well, they still ought not. Let me turn a staff into a snake. Let me turn water into blood. Let me heal your hands of a disease before them. And he said, they won't believe me. He's still fighting with God. And God said, dude, I just gave you three miracles in front of your eyes that you need to perform for them. And after he gave him three miracles, Moses still said, he thought of something else. He, was, he had all the back pocket tricks. He was like, I'm just not good with words. Like, I, I get my tongue twisted, my tongue tied. Excuses. A missionary is someone who hears the word of the Lord and is willing to obey that word. So Moses' problem here was he looked at himself. He looked at himself first instead of looking at God, right? He didn't trust God first. His first instinct was to look at his downfalls and what he thought disqualified him. And the funny thing is, don't you think that God's a little bit smarter than us, right? <laughs> Just a little bit, don't you think? <laughs> Do you think that God was really going to go ask Moses, please, Moses, I need you to free my people from, e uh, from Egypt? And Moses was going to go, oh, I have a speech impediment. And God was going to go, I had no idea. I'm going to have to find someone else now. I just really, like, I can't. <laughs> no, God knows all of your so-called limitations and issues before he even asks you. God knows what you've been through. He knows where you've been. He knows where you are now. And he knows what you think you're limited by. Okay? He knows them before he asks you to deliver a package. He still asks, yeah, he still asked Moses. He knew Moses couldn't speak worth a flip, and he still asked him to deliver all his people from Egypt. So don't ever limit yourself or God. Don't limit God because what you think limits you for what you think your limitations are. God knows all about him. He chose you, and he wants you to deliver his package in a specific way, specific time, specific place, and he knew all of what you think disqualified you before he asked you. So your answer better just be yes. Moses should have just said yes, because God showed him up later, but <laughs> he should have just saved all of that arguing and just said yes right away. So, Beside Moses' name, if you're taking notes, I want you to write, he looked at himself, not God. Moses looked at himself, not God. So I want to look at one more quick example in the Bible of a missionary. Maybe this one will be a little bit closer to what you think is a missionary. Probably not. Um, and the awesome thing I think about the Bible, too, is that it isn't full of necessarily people that you should be modeling your life after. It's full of mistakes and bad decisions and wrong turns. But everything in the Bible, I believe, is there for a reason. And there's a, something that we can learn from every situation. So I'm not necessarily looking at all these negative people to just say, oh, the Bible's all negative. But there's something we can learn from it. Amen? So turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 15. All right, our next missionary example 
example of a missionary, if you're taking notes, is going to be King Saul. I know, definitely not what you thought would be a missionary example or someone we can learn something from, right? But I want to just look and dig a little deeper. So, in 1 Samuel chapter 15, we're going to start in verse 1 again. It says, One day Samuel said to Saul, It was the Lord who told me to anoint you as king of his people in Israel. Now listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. I have decided to settle my accounts with the nations of Amalek for opposing Israel when they came from Egypt. Stop. So a little backstory on Samuel. Um, If you study out Samuel as like a person in the Bible, he's kind of referred to as um, a man who has God's ear. Um, So back in the Old Covenant, Old Testament, the people didn't have the Holy Spirit. They didn't have personal relationship with God. So there were people who were prophets, and Samuel was a prophet. And they would just deliver words from the Lord to people, kind of mediators for that in a way. Um, They would deliver words... So Samuel here in this um, chapter is delivering a word from God to Saul, okay? There was these people, the Amalekites, they did God's people wrong, and he was like, we're going to get them back, (laughs) basically, Old Testament. (laughs) Um, So God is given a word to, um, to Saul through Samuel. So he's kind of the middle ground there. So by our working definition, we have half a missionary, right? Saul hears a word from the Lord. He's hearing a command from the Lord, a package, if you will, that God wants him to deliver. Unconventional, not really a gift, (laughs) but a package that he wants him to deliver, okay? So let's read on. It says, Now go and completely destroy the entire Amalekite nation, men, women, children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, camels, and donkeys. So Saul mobilized his armies at Telem. Now... Um, what I want you to see here is that Saul, um, he set out in his heart and in his mind to obey this command. Samuel said, God wants you to go. He wants you to destroy this land and to destroy all of it like they did his people wrong. And Saul, Saul immediately got his army together and he was like, we're ready to go. His intentions were to obey that word from the Lord. So maybe three-fourths of a missionary because um, we kind of will see how it ends. But if you keep reading in First Samuel, you'll see that Saul and his armies did end up invading the land of the Amalekites. Um, and they, they overtook them and they destroyed most of what they were supposed to. King Saul uh, took the king of the Amalekites, King Agag, he took him captive, didn't kill him. So first mistake. And then all of King Saul's men in his army, they kept, they, they killed off like the worthless stuff, but like the good fat calves they kept and the good fat sheep they kept. And, you know, they were like, it's just too good to waste. And like when Saul saw it, he was like, well, I mean, they already saved them. So here we are. <laughs> um, not what God asked him to do, right? God said in verse three, destroy everything. Men, women, children, baby, cattle, goats, sheep, and donkeys. (laughs) He said, destroy it all. So if you jump down here and to verse 10 with me, here in verse, in first Samuel, verse 10, it says, then the Lord said to Samuel, I am sorry that I ever made Saul the king for he has not been loyal to me and has refused to obey my command. Samuel was so deeply moved when he heard this that he cried out to the Lord all night. 
Early the next morning, Samuel went to find Saul, and someone told him that Saul went to the town of Carmel to set up a monument to himself. Then he went to Gilgal. So when Samuel finally caught up to him, Saul greeted him cheerfully. May the Lord bless you, he said. I've carried out the Lord's command. Saul convinced himself that he had obeyed the word of the Lord, right? He, he had convinced his own mind that this is exactly what I was supposed to do. I even did better. I saved the best cattle to sacrifice to you, God. He had, he had convinced himself because he knew he didn't fully obey. He convinced himself that he did, right? He's, just, he's convinced himself so much that he's speaking it now. He said to Samuel, I have uh, followed out the command of the Lord. And then Samuel says, Then what is the bleeding of these sheep and goats and lowing of cattle I hear? Samuel demanded. Is it true that the army spared the best of the sheep, the goats, and the cattle? Saul admitted it was. But they are going to sacrifice them to the Lord your God. We're going to destroy everything else. Then Samuel said to Saul, Stop. Listen to what the Lord has told me last night. What did he tell you? And I think it's funny that Saul asked that because he already knew. Like, he already knew that he had done something wrong. He knew he didn't obey. He's like, oh, what did he tell you? Tell me, tell me, tell me. Like, I know I did wrong, you know. He's nervous now. He's sweating a little bit. And Samuel told him, although you may think little of yourself, are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? The Lord has anointed you king of Israel, and the Lord sent you out on a mission and told you, go and completely destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, until they are all dead. Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush for the plunder and do what is evil in the Lord's sight? But I did obey the Lord, Saul insisted. I carried out his mission. I brought back King Agog, but I destroyed everyone else. Then my troops brought the best of the sheep, the goats, and the cattle, and the plunder to sacrifice to the Lord your God. He's trying to make it sound good and justify it, right? But Samuel replied, What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices, or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice, and submission is better than the offerings of fat rams. (laughs) King Saul. So first of all, he got caught up in the greed. He got caught up in the plunder. It looked so good. It was too good to destroy and waste. And he got caught up in what everyone else around him was doing. His soldiers were keeping the good sheep. Why can't I? Like, it's fine. He had justified in his mind. And this is where we run into a failed missionary by our definition. He heard the word of the Lord, but he chose to disobey that word. And God rejected him as king. Um, he was said, God said he was sorry that he had ever made Saul the king of Israel. Ooh, I just hate for the Lord to say like that, something like that about me. And the interesting thing here about King Saul specifically is that people kind of want to uh, say, well, like why was Saul the ever the king if he was always going to fail? You know, was he just there to keep the seat warm for David? Um, and the answer is no. There was God didn't make a mistake by choosing King Saul. God doesn't make mistakes, and He has intention for everyone. King Saul's line was intended to sit on the throne of Israel forever, but Saul messed that up. He disobeyed. So um, he was never meant to mess these things up. So God didn't miss it. He didn't make a mistake by choosing Saul. Saul just chose to disobey, right? 
But the beautiful thing I think about God and about the way he created us is that he created us with free will to choose. We have that opportunity. We have that opportunity to say, I hear that word that you're giving me, and I'm either going to obey it or not. God's not a puppeteer sitting up in heaven controlling all of our moves and making us do what he wants us to do, right? He never is going to treat you like that. You know what he is going to do? He's going to give you direction. He's going to ask you to do something for him or share something with someone and a word from the Lord. And you get the choice to obey or not to obey. You have the choice to do what he says or not to do what he says. You have the choice to have a willing and obedient heart. Amen. So a missionary is someone who hears the word of the Lord and is willing to obey that word. God's never going to force you to talk to a stranger. God's never going to force you to take your coworker out to lunch and pay for their meal. God's never going to force you to give money to anybody, but he is looking for those who are willing to say, yes, I'm going to do those things. When he asks me, he's always looking for someone that's going to be willing and obedient in their heart. He's looking for those opportunities. So don't, I'm telling you right now, please don't let those opportunities pass you by because you never want to feel regret. You never want to let that opportunity slip through your fingers and feel regret on the inside afterwards. Now, if there is something that God has a plan for, so like God has a plan for this specific building or like person, and you're supposed to play a role in that, and you say, I'm not willing, and you don't really listen to that word from the Lord, then God's going to find someone who is, and he's going to use them to minister that person or to bring forth the plan that that building has or whatever. So when you um, are, if you're not willing to be obedient to a word that God's asking to do, then I'll tell you, you're missing an opportunity in your own life for growth. You're missing an opportunity to grow yourself when you say no to the Lord. Beside the fact that you're going to minister to someone along the way, you're missing an opportunity to grow yourself and to grow your boldness. If you aren't willing to do those, um, God's asking you that boldness on the inside of you. Every time you take a step and say, yeah, Lord, I'll do that. It grows and it grows and it grows and it gets bigger to where the point where if God asks you to do something, there's zero hesitation Then you just take those steps and you just do them. And God knows that he can turn to you for any situation because he knows I don't have to fight with you like I did Moses. I know that you're going to say yes and take these steps out and I don't have to argue with you. You don't have to say that you can't speak well. Well, you know that I'm going to carry you through no matter what. That's that faith and that trust that you have in God, right? That boldness. So don't pass up an opportunity to say yes to the Lord because it's an opportunity to grow. Yes, it's an opportunity to minister to someone and God is going to use you to minister to them, but it's going to minister to you as well. So take those opportunities. Now, I do want to finish up with Saul here really quick. Um, there was another thing that I wanted to point out to you guys. So go back to 1 Samuel 15. We're going to look at, go back to verse 20. So it says, um, Saul said, But I did obey the Lord, Saul insisted. I carried out the mission God gave me. I brought back King Agag, but I destroyed everyone else. Then my troops brought the best of the sheep and the goats and the cattle and the plunder to sacrifice to the Lord your God. Remember, Samuel and Saul are arguing here. Um, Saul's trying to kind of defend himself, even though he really knows he's in the gutter here. Um, he knows that he did something wrong, right? 
Um, and remember, we're in the Old Covenant. We kind of talked about that. This is Old Testament um, story, Bible character, whatever. Um, so they're under the old law, no Holy Spirit, no relationship with Jesus, right? So what I wanted to point out with you guys and what I want to talk to you about is it says down here in verse 22, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. So I want you guys to understand a little bit the significance of what a sacrifice was in the Old Testament. Because in the Old Testament, I was kind of reading through Leviticus casually the other day, and (laughs) they made sacrifices for everything. You wanted to be healed, you made a sacrifice. You wanted to be forgiven, you made a sacrifice. You wanted to be cleansed, you made a sacrifice. They sacrificed things to the Lord. It was a super important part of like their life because they couldn't just talk to God. They couldn't just, they didn't have the Holy Spirit and it was a huge, huge deal. But the interesting thing is, and that just, I just want to point that out, like how big of a deal it is to kind of show you the magnitude of what Samuel is saying here. Um, Because Saul's crying that he disobeyed and he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I kept all the fat animals so I could sacrifice them to the Lord. Like, this is great. I kept the good ones. Because you, when you made a sacrifice to God, you didn't sacrifice the wimpy little half-calf. Like, you sacrificed the best, the very best you gave to God. Um, you didn't give him any less. So, so uh, Saul's armies are saying, we gave God, we saved all these best, ones to sac- best animals to sacrifice to God. This is good news. And Samuel's saying, no. He said in verse 22, listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. Amen? Obedience is better than sacrifice. The magnitude of what a sacrifice is in the Old Testament and Samuel saying that being obedient to God is better than sacrifice. Obedience is better than sacrifice. A missionary is someone who hears the word of the Lord and is willing to obey it. I don't care if you're not going to Africa and sell everything you own. I don't care if you are. I don't care if you're staying here for the rest of your life. That's between you and God. You can settle that out. And there's needs for both. I'm not, my message tonight is not to disregard missionaries like Morgan. They're needed. It's a calling. It's real. But we're talking about the mission of the body of Christ to build the kingdom. Amen. So I don't care if you're going, I don't care if you're staying. We need people to stay. We need people to build up the home base and the church, but that's up to you. But we're all part of this mission to build the kingdom. So we're all called to be missionaries. So I want to erase that stereotypical, a missionary is not me. I'm not a missionary. I'm not going to sell everything I own and move over here. I'm not crossing these borders. You are a missionary, no matter where you are. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter where you're headed, okay? We're all called to be missionaries. We all have that calling by our definition tonight to be a missionary, right? So the question is, are you going to be like Moses and, like, and say, oh, Lord, I'm not qualified. I don't even know that much about the Bible. I, don't, I mean, I read it, but I'm not like a Bible scholar or anything. I don't know that much. Get someone else. Oh, Lord, I don't talk very well in front of people. Get someone else. Oh, Lord, I don't talk well in front of one person. Get somebody else. God's not looking for your excuses. Are you going to be like Moses and look at yourself and argue with God? Yes, in the end, Moses did do what God asked him. He went and freed the people from Egypt eventually. But God doesn't want to come to you and ask you to do something for him and have like an argument and then finally do it. He wants to go to someone that's going to be like, yes, I got you. I'll do it. 
Amen? He's not trying to go to someone and have an argument and talk you into it. And he's sure not trying to go to someone like Saul who's going to choose to fail. Amen? So that right there determines whether you are a missionary or not, is if you're going to be willing and obedient by our definition to the word from the Lord. So um, if you can hear the word, if you hear a word from the Lord and present a heart willing to obey him, that is going to help you a lot. So right next to um, Saul's name, for those taking notes, right next to King Saul's name, I want you to write this, three lines or whatever, fully called, Saul was fully called to be the king of Israel. He was fully called to invade the king, this, um, the Amalekites. He was fully called to, he was fully anointed. He had the grace, he had the anointing to do this, three but he fully failed. He was fully called, fully had the anointing, had every leg up, he had all the possibilities, he was God's chosen line, and he failed by choice. He chose to fail. Fully called, fully anointed, fully failed. He was called to be the king, and God said in the end that he was sorry he ever made him king because of his decisions. He allowed greed and disobedience to come into his life, and that cost him everything that he had. So I want you guys to kind of remember these things um, as we're going out tonight a little bit. The Bible says in 2 Timothy that we should preach the word and be ready in season and out of season. We know this verse. We're talking about a lot. Be ready in season and out of season. Preach the word. Be ready when you're not ready, (laughs) you know. Stay ready. The Passion says it like this. It says, preach when it's convenient and when it's not. Preach when it's convenient and when it's not. It wasn't really convenient for Moses to go leave his little fun little life out in the wilderness and go and try and argue with the king of Egypt and get all of these slaves out. That wasn't easy. It wasn't convenient for him, but he had to do it anyway. It wasn't convenient for Saul to kill all of these wonderful animals and all of this wonderful uh, possessions. It wasn't easy, and he fell into that. He fell into, this is easier. I'm not taking the hard route. I'm taking the easy route, and it cost him, okay? We're part of the kingdom, and it's our job to be diligently growing the kingdom. And we did, Mom did a series, a long series on the kingdom of God. But ultimately, it's our job to be growing the kingdom, right? We're called to love people. We're called to make disciples. We're called to grow the kingdom of God, amen? So we are part of the kingdom, and we're part of the kingdom that's growing. And it only grows if we make it work, right? If we're stepping out and saying, yes, Lord, I'll go there. I'll do this. I'll talk to them. You know, we have to be able to be willing and obedient. We have a heart for that. So always be looking for a word from the Lord. Stay looking. And this is something that you have to just like mentally change, I think, because, um, You have to prepare yourself every day. Like, Lord, what are you going to have me do today? Lord, what do you want me to do today? What can I do for you? And play offensively. Uh, We were talking about that. Like, don't wait for a word from the Lord. Ask God for a word, you know? You get so caught up ahead that you're like, okay, Lord, what can I do today? And that boldness, like we talked about, grows even more. And it grows again. And it grows again. I want you guys to be looking And then check your heart. I want you to have a willing and obedient heart. God wants you to have a willing and obedient heart. And that was 
our other half of the definition of a missionary. It's not enough to just hear the word, let alone know that it's God. We talked about knowing God's voice. It's not enough to just hear the word. We have to be willing to obey, right? We have to be willing to take those steps. Unlike Saul, he wasn't willing to give up the greed and all of the possessions. He wasn't willing, and it, it cost him. Moses kind of wasn't willing. <laughs> he got talked into it eventually, but um, God's not looking for someone that he's going to have to you know, go back and forth with. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 16 that the Lord doesn't see things the way he sees them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord can scan a room full of people and pick the three that you think are least likely to serve and do what he wants them to do, and those are the people with the hearts. He sees their hearts. He doesn't look at the way they look. He doesn't look at the outside. He doesn't even see it. God doesn't look at like the way we look, okay? We look at people and we judge people a little bit. Let's be honest. We look at them and we think, oh my, how could they ever, you know? I, I mean, I wonder about Moses because he had a speech impediment, you know? Like, how could he ever be used by God? But he did. God used him. So change your heart or check it at least. Check your heart and ask yourself, do I have a heart that when God looks at me, is my heart willing and obedient? Willing and obedient to do what God asked me to do. So he doesn't scan over you in a room and say, this person isn't going to, I'm not even going to bother asking. I'm going to have a Moses argument. I don't want to, I need someone now that's ready right this second. I don't have time for an argument. This person that I need to hear a word from you doesn't have time for an argument. I don't have time to argue with you to try and get you to do it. I'm going to find someone else. And then again, going back, you'll lose your opportunity. You lose your opportunity to minister to someone and you lose your opportunity for growth in your own life. So God is looking around. He's looking for those that are willing to serve. So I encourage you, encourage you, encourage you to get into God's word more than just reading it. Like, get into it. And before you read it, start with an expectation. You know, put a little faith behind it. Lord, when I read this, I want you to show me what your word says. I want you to minister to me with your word. I want you to explain it. Use the Holy Spirit to explain to me what it means. I'm not going to just know. I can read it a thousand times and I'm still not going to know. I need the Holy Spirit to minister to me and bring me revelation knowledge. Amen. So you open that word up. You set some expectations on the Lord. That's okay. It's okay to ask God or to tell God, you know, I need you to show me what your word is saying. That's okay. And you you ask God to bring that revelation knowledge because that's going to grow your relationship with him and it's going to grow your knowledge of his voice so that you can hear that word and know indefinitely that it's him. So get into his word, study it out, grow your relationship with the Father and check your heart. Like we said, check your heart and remember that everything that you do in this earth, everything that we do in this life, um, ultimately is for God and it's for the kingdom. It's not for the people around you. It's not even really for you. It's for God. Um, God created mankind to worship him. Like that was the original idea behind creating humans. He was creating us so that we could worship him. It just got twisted a little bit along the way, but we're getting there. (laughs) Um, But I want you to know that as you're going out and you're listening for these words, because I think sometimes one of the main reasons people don't just step right out and say yes, is because they're caring. They're thinking about what people around them are saying. They, they care in, uh, caring about 
what people are saying, what people are seeing, what they might look like, what they might sound like. Embarrassment really plays a huge factor in people's willing and obedient hearts. Uh, it's just true. Like, we've all, we're all guilty of saying, oh, no, like, I can't do that. And then the opportunity slips on by. You got to be bold. You got to be on it. You got to step on it. (laughs) Check your heart. Make sure it's willing. Keep it ready in season. Keep it ready out of season. Amen. Stay ready with what God has for you and stay listening and ready for his word and his um, voice. You got to know his voice. It's super important to know um, the word, that a word is from the Lord for one. I mean, we all, a lot of people that's one of the hardest things for people sometimes is like, how do I know that this is the Lord? Like, how do I know like that I'm getting a word that's really from the Lord? How do I know? Like, how do I know it's not just my own brain coming up with stuff? Or how do I know it's not the devil trying to make something sound all good and manipulate me? The word of God. You get in the word. And that's going to change your perspective when you get in the word. And I say get in the word and really study it because I feel like for a lot of years I just read the word and I didn't have real revelation. And I was like, I'm doing what you're saying. I'm reading the word every day, but I wasn't making intentional steps to change um, the way I perceived the word. Um, And I wasn't asking the Holy Spirit to bring revelation. The Holy Spirit's there for us. He's our helpmate. Jesus said the Holy Spirit's better than if I stay here with you. So clearly there's a tool there that we're not tapping into. So we need to tap into the Holy Spirit and ask him to show us that revelation so that we know the voice of the Lord. It's so important. It's not about us. It's not about anything that we are doing. It's all about the Lord. It's all about his kingdom is all about growing this kingdom that we're a part of. And so we need to take steps towards that. Um, a missionary is someone who hears the word of the Lord and is willing to obey it. Amen. Hears the word of the Lord and is willing to obey. So we have to, number one, hear that word and be willing to obey it. We're all missionaries, right? Kind of changed your thinking a little bit, huh? Um, those missionaries, you know, by definition, apostolic, definitely needed. Um, we need people to go to all the nations. We need people like Morgan that are going to go and make disciples in other nations. But we need people here too. And the people here need to know that they're not just here. They're missionaries too, um, by our definition tonight. They're missionaries. And we're here to hear the word of the Lord and grow a little bit along the way. Amen. Um, so I want us to, if we can, really quick, we got four minutes, um, just Austin, can you play Yes, Lord, Yes on the piano? Thank you. Um, so just sing this song just a couple of times, we're not going to stay all night, but just like as we're singing, um, just check your heart a little bit and kind of what you're, what God is telling you to do, you know, tell the Lord, like ask the Lord to show you more of what you want, he wants you to do. Ask him to guide you and lead you. If you ask, he's going to. He's going to do what you, if you ask him, he's going to show you. If you ask him to show you more, he's going to show you more. He's only going to, you know, do it if you give him permission to. He's not going to invade your life or your personal space. You got to say, Lord, show me. So, um, I used to write in my journal. I took world missions in school. Um, and I used to write at the top of all of my pages, I write, there's no place I won't go, no thing I won't do, no thing I won't say, no person I won't talk to, and no place that I won't go. My answer to you, Lord, is yes. And I wrote that 
like everywhere. <laughs> it was just like my declaration. No thing I won't do. No person out there that I won't talk to. No thing that I won't say to a person. For you, my answer, Lord, is yes. My answer is not, uh, that hesitation, you lose it. If you hesitate, you lose it. And sometimes it costs people their eternity. So we got to be quick. We got to be quick. So I just want to sing this song, a couple of verses, not much, but just like ask the Lord um, and check your heart. Just ask the Lord to show you things that you can do, even little things. There's little things that can change people's lives. Um, So just ask the Lord to show you and lead you.